0: Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Hey everyone, this is Ceci. I just want to acknowledge before we dive into this episode that we know everyone is expecting us to do an episode on Jen Shaw's recent plea and her upcoming sentencing. I guess it's not that upcoming because it'll be in November, Um, but we will be releasing an episode later this week, diving into it all. We recorded this episode before she pled guilty. We were not expecting it. Um, It's still a really good episode, so we hope you enjoy.
0: In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast.
1: I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is The Bravo Docket. Hello, hello, and welcome to The Bravo Docket. Today, we're going to be covering a legal tool that is used by many attorneys and individuals, and and that is a cease and desist letter, or as Tamara Judge called it, uh, a cease and desist letter, which I'm afraid I'm going to like mess up while we're recording and call it that. But yeah, there have been so many in pop culture worlds and Real Housewives. I think the first was Tamara. They're a very interesting tool in law. So do you want to talk about what is a cease and desist letter?
0: Yeah. In certain circumstances, when a client comes to you and says, I have this problem, a cease and desist letter is usually the first thing that you suggest because one, it's not going to cost your client a ton of money. Two, it's not committing to an entire lawsuit. And three, if you can solve your client's problem with a single letter, that's typically the best way to do it. Some people give them too much credit. They're like, oh, he sent a cease and desist letter. It's really just a demand letter from an attorney making an if-then equation. If you don't do this, then we will take this legal action against you. So they can be really useful. And you always want to make sure when The client comes in that you explain to them, hey, you know, don't make threats that you're not going to follow up on or else it's just not going to be as effective. And make sure you counsel. If we move forward, here's actually how much this would cost. Here's the, you know general likelihood of the success. Here's the law, blah, 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 whatever. But sometimes they can be incredibly effective at just getting the results your client wants.
1: So cease and desist letters don't always have to be written by an attorney, but I think they're more effective if they are. You describe the alleged misconduct and you put in any demands in there that you want to be done. (laughs) So you could say things like, hey, you've stolen one of my images and put it on your website. And that's that's like the the wrongdoing. And then you can demand that they take your image down off of the website or else you're going to sue. So that's sort of a crude example. And then you usually put in that you're going to file a lawsuit if they don't meet your demands or if they don't stop their behavior.
0: It doesn't have any actual legal ramifications. It's just the threat of legal ramifications. And, you know, sometimes Your client's upset about something. They don't feel like they can talk to the person that's doing the alleged wrongdoing. And a very polite but firmly worded cease and desist letter can just politely inform whoever it is to stop. Hopefully that just stops it. They can also just make people
1: mad. Right. And it's done completely outside of court. So it's kind of a dispute resolution tool that isn't involving the court process at all. You can send them for any number of claims, but they're often really used in intellectual property cases, cases involving defamation and contract violations, which we've talked about defamation so often. I'm sure there's been a million in all those cases that we've talked about.
0: Yeah, like a breach of contract violation. Let's say that you have a seller that's providing you stuff for your wholesale business and they've promised in their contract to deliver shipments within a certain time, you would send it to the address in the contract and say, hey, you've had two late shipments in a row. If you have a third one, I'm providing
1: you notice right now that I will be exercising the provision in the contract. I think the demands are my favorite part to draft of those (laughs) because you can be like... Respond in writing within five days. Remove the image from your website. Destroy all copies of the image in your files or else we're going to sue. You just make stuff up. Like,
0: Can I tell you a story? <laughs> I just remember this when you said that because I sent a demand letter once demanding that a certain copy of a thing be destroyed. And it was an electronic copy. And I had wanted them to send proof that it had been destroyed and deleted. I was expecting electronic proof. I didn't tell them to smash their whole
1: laptop, but they did. And they sent me a picture of it. They smashed their laptop? Yeah. That's not what I told them to do. Oh, my God. (laughs) Can they just show you, like, themselves, like, a video, like, a screen recording of them deleting the file? That's what I was
0: expecting them to do. I was expecting electronic evidence, not—it was a smash— Oh, my a, gosh. But it was an effective demand.
1: Well, at least you knew. Yeah, at least you knew they deleted it. Gosh. Well, something else to add about cease and desist letters and demand letters, and this is a little bit of legal procedure. It usually is kind of a signal to the opposing side that a lawsuit is in the foreseeable future, and that's when they should start retaining documents and discovery. So if you get into a case with them, this is all hypothetical. If you get into a case with someone and you're trying to get discovery from them and they're like, oh, we deleted it. And you're like, oh, what date did you delete it on? And it was after you sent the demand letter. That's the demand letter is often the indicator that litigation is reasonably foreseeable and that stuff should not have been destroyed. So,
0: yep, definitely. It puts them on notice to tell their client to put out a litigation hold notice because litigation could be imminent. So you can't be destroying things unless you're told to in the Mm -mm. demand letter. And then you should be very, pay attention to what you're being asked to destroy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a ton of really fun examples from pop culture of demand letters, not just from housewives. We're going to get into the housewives ones, but we wanted to bring up some other pop culture examples of cease and desist letters and the types of ways they can be used, the more effective ones, and some that have even been responses to cease and desist letters that have even been
1: great publicity for a company.
0: So do you want to talk about Jack
1: Daniels? Yes. Yeah, so Jack Daniels, there was an author who wrote a book and used on the cover an image of the Jack Daniels logo, a little bit modified, but not really. It was very obviously the Jack Daniels logo used. And so Jack Daniels, oh, I forgot to note that I have a cold. My nose is stuffed up. So I apologize. Anyway, Jack Daniels sends the author a cease and desist letter. And it's a very polite cease and desist letter. And it says, we are certainly flattered by your affection for the brand. But while we can appreciate the pop culture appeal of Jack Daniel, we also have to be diligent. Because you are both a Louisville neighbor and a fan of the brand, we simply request that you change the cover design when the book is reprinted. So Jack Daniels also offered to pay towards the cost of future reprinting if the cover was changed sooner than it was scheduled to be reprinted. The author ended up just changing the cover and did not accept any payment from Jack Daniels. So it was like a very nice, reasonable cease and desist situation.
0: Yeah. And that's great, actually, publicity for Jack Daniels. It gives you kind of a good feeling about the brand, but they're still protecting their copyright or trademark or whatever, you know, is that copyright or trademark, the image.
1: So things like protecting your brand, protecting your logo, that's all under trademark because it's something that your brand is identified with. However, if they were trying to protect like the actual artwork, the artist. Um, drawing of the original logo, that would be protected more so by copyright.
0: So I guess, yeah, so I guess it's both. The next example involves Netflix and a Stranger Things pop-up bar in Chicago's Logan Square. Netflix sent the bar owners a cease and desist letter with tons of cheeky Stranger Things puns. And I thought this was really cute because they basically threatened in a very fun way they say, we're not going to go full Dr. Brenner on you, but we ask that you please, one, not extend the pop-up beyond its six-week run, and two, reach out to us for permission if you plan to do something like this again. Let us know as soon as possible if you agree to these requests. We love our fans more than anything, but you should know that the Gorgon is not always as forgiving. So please don't make us call your mom, end quote. This is really cute. Again, nice because they should have asked for permission, but that type of, you know, bar is really a great advertisement for the show and the people going to it are fans. So if they had sent a really mean lawyer cease and desist letter, that would have just made people dislike Netflix and maybe hurt the Stranger Things brand.
1: All right. So the next one is a company called Mischief. And they are so funny. They've really kind of made a joke or poke fun at cease and desist letters and the law in general. Before we talk about the cease and desist letter, though, I remember this company from the Satan shoot that they made in collaboration with Little Noss X. They modified a pair of Nike Air Max 97 sneakers, made it like red. It had blood in it, apparently, It was very satanic looking and people went crazy and bought them. And Nike, of course, quickly sued. But I think the reason they sued instead of, you know, being a little bit more go along with it is because Nike received a lot of backlash from religious and conservative groups. And so their argument in the lawsuit was that the shoes strayed so much from what Nike promoted and it still prominently featured the Nike swoosh. People thought that they were related. So they were like, stop selling them. Nike ended up winning the lawsuit. Little Nas issued an apology. Miss Chief had to stop selling the shoes. And they had to re-buy back all the shoes that they sold for over $1,000 each. So that's some background on the type of legal shenanigans that Miss Chief likes to get into. So what they did, and this, is, this was such a good find, they decided to host a cease and desist Grand Prix, where they offered for sale these awesome racing t-shirts with different companies' logos on them. They had Walmart's logo, Walt Disney, Starbucks, Coca-Cola, Tesla, Microsoft, Subway, and Amazon. And so how it worked was fans of the Mischief brands went on their website and they were told to purchase the shirt of whichever brand and then tweet that brand that you have purchased a shirt illegally using their logo. And the first one to send us a cease and desist letter wins the Grand Prix. And everyone who purchased one of those shirts gets a free Mischief hat, which the Mischief hat also infringed on some other brand's logo. Anyway, it was amazing. Do you want to talk about the manifesto?
0: Yeah. So they they have a manifesto and it says to corporate legal department, Re, we stole your logo. It's written like it's a memo. This says, it has come to our attention that you are looking at our unauthorized use of your trademark. Great! Exclamation point. We welcome it. What if we told you that you could win? Exclamation point. Are you the best lawyer of them all? Will you become the C plus D champion? Are you the fastest legal gun in the West? Only time will tell. You spend your days playing legal whack-a-mole with your harmless and inevitable brand infringement. We've made a different game for you. Your C and Ds, meaning and desists, are used to shut down independent creativity, but now you have the opportunity to use one to participate in an actual creative endeavor. Get writing. And so they go on, so it says, we got to we got to cease and desist on behalf of Michelin Tires recently when we responded saying, "Fuck off." They said, "Sorry. what did we even cease and desist you for? I forget that is too sad. It seems like a perversion of copyright protections, the preservation of value derived from creative labor for the creator to draft and send legal letters for reasons no one even remembers. Clearly, you were so injured, brand. Rest assured, dear corporate lawyers, we will comply with any cease and desist we get. Independent creators can never fight real legal action with the corporation. They can't afford it. Thus, copyright falls into that category, which, quote, if the penalty for a crime is monetary, the law exists only for the lower class. But what are you sitting here reading this for, lawyers? Your fingers should winged fly to your keyboard in pursuit of victory. Even now, the legal departments of these other companies are pulling ahead. Draft your letter with haste and tarry not if you seek to triumph in this race.
1: It's pretty cute. It's cute. So then within one day, Subway sent a cease and desist, and they posted it on their Twitter. They were the first company to send a cease and desist. <laughs> and their cease and desist states, Dear Miss Chief, it is with great pleasure and, dis- and a distinct honor to send this cease and desist to Miss Chief, Inc. We didn't want to send this. We really didn't. But with free hats on the line, how could we not? With that being said, stop using our logo or we'll sue you. LOL. Now give the people free hats. <laughs> Strongly worded lawyer sign off. Subway.
0: See, lawyers can have fun sometimes.
1: I love it. I do too. It's fun. It was so smart. It was funny, and they got good publicity. And you could still buy those shirts. I don't think you could buy Subways, but I was looking on eBay, and you could buy some of the Grand Prix shirts still on eBay. Really? How much were they? Like forty. Like uh, the mo. The one I saw the most, I think, was Amazon, and it was forty dollars. The most expensive one that I saw was Disney, which mm. kind of makes sense to me. That and that does. was $75. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm surprised Disney wasn't first. Aren't they like really quick? Super.
1: With the infringement they or- really yeah. protect their intellectual property rights. Yeah.
0: Wait, so I have a question and I'm not meaning to just stump you on this, but I just thought of it because I don't do trademark or copyright law and I never have. Isn't there, like with the Little Nas X, was there any argument? Because I know if they make a mockery or make a political statement- on something isn't doesn't that change it into some form of art or make it different?
1: It's there's so many factors. So I guess that would be like a fair use defense. It goes to whether or not the shoe was sort of like a creative expression and you have to figure out how much it was transformed from the original in order to decide that it was a creative expression instead of just a straight up copy. And then you also look at if like the person is sort of profiting off of the original mark mm. and that's the whole reason that they're using your item in the first place or your brand in the first place there's a whole list of factors and it just it changes based on what jurisdiction you're in But then there's also it's 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 a multifaceted. I know it's really I'm asking you something that's like really complicated (laughs) and being like, I'm like a client that comes to your office. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But then there's also like likelihood of confusion. And if people consumers that's like the main thing is Mm. if a consumer goes out and buys it and thinks that it's Nike's shoe.
0: That makes sense that Nike would win on that one because it would be confusing because Nike does collaborate with famous people And. While it was clearly a political artistic statement on the part of Little Nas X, Nike probably had plenty of evidence of people writing them angry letters being like, why are you doing this? Why are you promoting this? Yeah. Shoe? You know?
1: Yeah. People legit thought it was Nike doing the yeah. shoe. Like if he had taken off the Nike logo, you wouldn't even be able to tell right. that it was Nike shoe. I think that was kind of the linchpin in it. I mean, that does make sense. I, yeah. That makes sense. It's also so subjective, and that's part of the reason I kind of like litigating intellectual property.
0: There I'm, is a podcast besides ours that does fashion law, and I know, and I think it's called the Fashion Law Podcast. And she has some episodes if you guys are interested in this that goes into more detail. But
1: there's an Instagram too, the Fashion Law. I it's a all of the fascinating, it's so fascinating mm-hmm. area of the
0: law that I I have never done any work in.
1: Yeah, I've only scratched the surface in my experience, but it's fun. I enjoy it. You want to talk about responses now to cease and desist letters? We've talked about cease and desist
0: letters in a pop culture context outside of The Real Housewives that have been effective on a couple levels. They've gotten good publicity for the brand, and then they've also effectively stopped the behavior that they were concerned about in a best-case scenario. You can send a cease and desist letter and have the response maybe not go the way you expect it. Ideally, you send one of these letters, the person, oh, a lawyer sending me a letter. I don't want to get sued. I didn't know this was illegal. I'll stop doing it. I'm sorry. And they stop. But that doesn't always happen. And there's some very famous examples of irreverent responses to cease and desist letters. If you guys like these, if you go to the Above the Law website, They have some great examples. You can just search cease and desist, and they've got full articles on a bunch of them. If you like legal stuff, that's also a fun website. Is it LaBeouf? Yeah. Uh, I've been calling him Poof. (laughs) I've been calling him Shia LaBeouf. (laughs) How many people have I said that in front of and gotten that wrong? Okay, Shia LaBeouf was accused of borrowing from a 2007 comic for his short film, Howard Cantor, and he got a cease and desist letter. And he was asked to apologize publicly. And so I think most people were expecting him to tweet an apology or to issue a public statement, maybe on Instagram or something. Instead, he had the words, I am sorry, Daniel Glois, displayed over the Los Angeles area on January 1st. But he did tweet a photo of that. So he had a Skywriter say, I'm sorry, to the author that he was accused of copying from. And he... He said it with he said it was skywriting.
1: To me, that counts. I, he also like started tweeting word for word transcripts of other famous apologies like Kanye West's apology to Taylor Swift. Yes. This is from The Hollywood Reporter,
0: and it says the apologetic gesture seems to be original as the actor has been ceaselessly tweeting remorseful reflections ever since the controversy first unfolded in mid-December. However, he began pasting excerpts of other famous apologies from the likes of former New York Governor Elliot Spitzer, artist Shepard Fairey, and Tiger Woods, to name a few, and was criticized for copying once again. So he also copied (laughs) Mark Zuckerberg from his open letter in 2006. He copied Russell Crowe's apology. Apparently, Russell Crowe said something about circumcision, and then he apologized. And so Shia the Buff is... Just plagiarizing that Alec Baldwin's apology for his homophobic comments. And then he does a real housewife apology where he says, you have my apologies for offending you for thinking I was being serious instead of accurately realizing I was mocking you. That's a real housewife response for sure.
1: After this, Shia gets another cease and desist letter from the same individual because Shia starts posting tweets, again, stealing or allegedly stealing content from the author of the original comic book. So the lawyer goes on and explains everything that Shy tweeted. But I think the last paragraph is the best. (laughs) He says, Brian, your client is seriously out of control. He must stop his improper and outlandish conduct directed at Mr. Close and his works, and your client must take all necessary and appropriate steps to redress his wrongs. But all that has happened is further wrongful acts such as described above and more foolishness such as Mr. LaBeouf's New Year's Day skywriting frolic that exposed Mr. Close to further ridicule. (laughs) It's bad uh, to laugh, but it's just funny. It's so silly.
0: Obviously, Shia LaBeouf's attorney did not tell him, yes, you can apologize with skywriting. There's no way. I'm just like, trying to imagine the conversation of when this hits TMZ or the news or something and it pops up and just being his attorney and having to call him <sighs> and ask, did you actually hire a skywriter to apologize? <sighs> and I can tell you one thing. If that was my client and they hadn't paid me in full, I would be very irritated <laughs> because first of all. You're causing more problems. Your bill's going up. You can afford skywriting. You better be paying my lawyer bill for dealing with you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I don't I was curious to know what the outcome was of this and I didn't find it. But it's like, just sue him. Just sue Shia LaBeouf if you're like so angry, you know,
0: I tried to figure out how what happened with this. If you guys know, I'm sure you'll let us know on our Instagram. But I didn't find a, a resolution to it either. I'm kind of thinking maybe it just fizzled out. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, Starbucks is also very protective of its copyright and trademarks and apparently Starbucks sent a cease and desist letter to the owner of Exit 6 Pub and Brewery in Coteville, Missouri, and Coteville, Missourians, I, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, I am so sorry. I want you to know that I googled it, I looked it up. There are two cities very similar in Missouri that have almost the same name. And I tried to look for the right way to pronounce it. I'm sorry I couldn't find it. So if I got that wrong, I apologize. But the Exit 6 Pub and Brewery in Missouri received a cease and desist letter from Starbucks over a beer named Frappuccino. And the (laughs) response to this (laughs) was so funny. They were threatened to stop selling a beer called Frappuccino because Starbucks said in the letter that they didn't want to cause confusion with their customers over a Frappuccino.
1: I don't think anyone is walking into this bar and thinking that they're getting a blended coffee beverage. I don't really think they could get confused. He said Exit 6 has proudly sold at least 38
0: drinks in Caldwell, Missouri, and has a strong presence in St. Charles County, a suburb 40 miles outside the St. Louis metropolis. It has recently come to Exit 6 Pub and Brewery's attention that there were three check-ins to the beer with a very similar name to the F-word. Unfortunately, it was only similar to the F-word because we meant to call it the same thing. Lucky for us, we're poor spellers, and they misspell spellers. They spell it S-P-E-L-E-R-S.
1: And yeah, to clarify, it's because they misspelled Frappuccino. Yeah. They put a U or they put an I where it should have been a U.
0: And they said, we would like for Mr. Bucks, meaning Mr. Starbucks, to rest assured that we met no deception, confusion, or mistaking the naming of the beer F word. We never thought that our beer drinking customers would have thought that the alcoholic beverage coming out of the tap might have actually been coffee from one of the many, many, many stores located a few blocks away. I guess that with there being a Starbucks in every corner and every block in every city, some people may think they could get a Starbucks at a local bar. So that was our mistake. So one last example, but not really pop culture, because I don't think anybody here really probably knows who the American Bankers Association is. But you guys do know who the Spice Girls are. And this has a Spice Girls reference in it. Mm -hmm. The American Bankers Association publishes a book called the ABA Key to Routing Numbers of the American Bankers Association. Super exciting, right? And I'm sure you guys know this, but routing number is the specific number that's assigned to a particular bank. So when you do online shopping or pay for bills online, you can type in the routing number and it shows which bank the account number belongs to.
1: Legal team. Have you guys been on Quince's website recently? I shopped on there like three years ago for the first time and bought myself a bunch of cashmere sweaters. I lived in the black cashmere sweater, lived in it. And I hadn't shopped on there for a while because my cashmere sweaters lasted for a really long time. But I decided to go back on there and oh my gosh, have they completely expanded everything that they offer. The workwear, they have washable silk. And I mean, it's so affordable. I also shared with you all that I'm recently engaged and I'm in the middle of wedding planning. So anytime I'm shopping, I'm thinking about wedding, 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 wedding. And they have everything I need for the wedding. I just booked my honeymoon. We're going to go to Southeast Asia. It's going to be hot there. And I've been looking for good linen pieces. Guess what? Quince has good linen pieces and they started only $30. Then I'm like, okay, we need to get our wedding bands. You know who has fine jewelry now? 14 karat gold quince. So I send the link to Avery and I'm like, you have to get your wedding band from here. It's affordable and it looks just like any other wedding band. I mean, it looks great. Another thing I'm doing, again, I have wedding on the brain. I want to look my best. So I'm like, okay, I really want cute little matching sets to go work out in. It's the only way I can get motivated. I have to like wear a cute little matching set. I've gotten really into Pilates and guess what? quince has the matching sets they look identical to matching sets i've already purchased from another sports brand they have the same thing and at a fraction of the cost i was able to get two tops and one pair of pants for the same price that i could only get one set at this other sportswear place i mean come on quince is just killing it if you've shopped there before it's time to go back on again they have just completely expanded the categories of goods that they have to offer They're not just all about cashmere sweaters anymore. They've got a ton of stuff and I highly recommend you go check it out. If you're ready to go try out Quince, go to quince.com slash docket to get free shipping and 365 day returns. That is com slash docket to get free shipping and 365 day returns. That is an amazing guarantee on their goods. So go check it out. I highly recommend it, guys. This
0: gentleman, Greg Thatcher, has a website that takes writing numbers and publishes them to an easily searchable form online. The American Bankers Association got mad at Greg Thatcher and threatened him with legal action, sending, honestly, a fairly vague demand letter threatening him. And the problem is they were wrong on the law. If you're going to send a letter with threats, It's really going to be hard for somebody to take you seriously if you don't have the law correct. So Thatcher's attorney responded. And just a couple highlights. He's saying you must be aware that the information itself isn't copyrightable. And we went to law school, which just illustrates how gullible we are. It just isn't. Footnote 8. No matter how much one might want it to be, even if one wants it like the Spice Girls want a -a zig-a-zig-ha. Then it says, in fact, there was a case, this real important court decided back in the early 90s, it was about telephone numbers. He's talking about the Supreme Court. And it's just very snarky. And then he he cites to the Supreme Court case, which is Vice Publications, Inc., the rural telephone service company. And then footnote 10 says, I know, right? I remember reading this case and being all like, no way. A millennial wrote it,
1: maybe. Oh, yeah. He's like schooling them on the law, which makes sense. You can't copyright a routing yeah. number. It's just information. The letter at the very end he like puts, because of, and then another point is that cease and desist letters can be, they're, they're copyright protected, which is so interesting. However, it says all rights reserved, but wait, fair use allowed and encouraged. Actually, go ahead and publish the whole thing as is. We don't care.
0: <laughs> so this is, again, on Above the Law. You can just go to their website, type in cease and desist and all of these fun things will pop up and you can read the whole letters and the responses.
1: Now, let's get into the Real Housewives. Like I mentioned at the start of the episode, the first one I ever remember seeing was Tamara Barney at the time giving Gina Kyo a cease and desist letter at a pool party because Gina was allegedly going to tabloids and talking Nonsense about Tamra and Simon's divorce. And she was on Simon's side in the divorce. So Tamra throws a sister and deceased letter in <laughs> Gina's face. Gina threatens to throw her in the pool or like pushes her. And then Tamra throws her wine in Gina's face.
0: I just watched the clip before we did this episode. And it, it's sister and deceased. And she literally just throws it in her face. Literally throws the actual paper in her face.
1: I mean, it's an iconic clip. I can't believe you
0: haven't seen it before. I know. People are going to get mad at me again. My Housewives obsession is only a few years old, and I feel like I've done a really good job of going back and watching almost all of the seasons. I just hadn't made it to our
1: HOC yet. So, And then there was the more recent one that Heather Dubrow sent Kelly Dodd. I remember this clip. I remember Kelly Todd. I remember this one, too. Yeah. Because
0: Kelly Todd had to apologize. So she stood there and held the letter and said the words. I mean, I used to nanny for five kids. And it was like, when you are making one kid apologize to something they did to the other kid and the kid does not want to apologize, but they know they have to say the words. It was the most insincere apology, but technically she did say the apology words.
1: It was also so silly because it was about how they got covid And they said that it was from Heather's kids at a party. And then Heather sent a cease and desist letter over that. You may have gotten COVID. It came out after we started the podcast in our account. And people kept messaging us. And I was like, what are Heather's damages here for her kids? Like, their reputation isn't ruined because they may have given someone COVID.
0: I had a client that came to me. And I suppose if I had a client that had as much money as Heather has I would probably want to keep them happy but I'm trying to be like okay so you want me to send a threatening letter that will that will sue for what what are your damages how am I supposed to make up a legal cause of action for th- the children don't have damages for people thinking that they may have everybody's had COVID at this point
1: <laughs> I know I mean back then it was kind of the height of it where everyone was scared of how they were gonna get it or from who and yeah. you know so I kind of get being like no you didn't get it from me but to- Actually threatened to sue over that. They have Kelly's apology. She says, "I'm going on the record right now to be very clear. We don't know how we caught the virus. (laughs) We're both very, very sorry for any trouble we caused the Dubrow family. We hope you accept our sincere." You said that way more sincerely (laughs) than Kelly did. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Maybe I could just like insert a clip of it.
0: So I got this letter from an attorney from the Dubrow family, reminding me I made a statement that made sound like truth. When, in fact, it was a joke. And for that, I'm offering my sincere apology.
1: Moving on to Real Houses of Atlanta. There's been a lot on Atlanta.
0: Sharae's hopefully now ex-boyfriend, Tyrone, sending a cease and desist letter to the network claiming that the show is using his name and likeness without his permission. It says, we are counseled to Mr. Tyrone Gillums. It has come to our attention that Truly Original LLC Productions, Bravo Media LLC, and NBC Universal Media have unlawfully used Mr. Gillum's name and likeness for commercial purposes in connection with the television program Real Housewives of Atlanta in violation of numerous state and federal laws. I have a question. I've never practiced in this area. So I know... When they have just shots of scenes, like in Beverly Hills, they'll show a faceless jogger running down Rodeo Drive. Which part of you are they allowed to show? Is it just not your face? I think it's just not your face. Okay. Is that why they don't say their names unless they have permission? Because you can't use somebody's name either? Yeah, I guess it it depends. (laughs) For them to (laughs) To use your likeness on the show, you have to give them permission. Mm -hmm. But then we've talked about, for example, in a previous episode... On Southern Charm, Catherine's XXX boyfriend, the politician that was at Ravenel, we have the form he signed. And you sign away all of your rights to just appear. You don't get paid. Even if you're just on the show as a friend or whatever and you're in one scene, you sign away. all. You have no rights, nothing. And they can lie to you. They can manipulate. They can do Frankenbites. Everything's in there. And it's just a little three-page thing. Either you have to agree to that or they won't use you at all. They did say his name on Atlanta.
1: Yeah, what it really comes down to is the First Amendment here. That's a defense that's made when someone sues for right of publicity or misappropriation of someone's name and likeness. So there is some protected uses of people's names and likeness that fall under First Amendment defense, but you have to meet certain factors. You can't just go all willy-nilly using people's name and likeness.
0: He does include the Pennsylvania law in here, And it says any natural person whose name and likeness has commercial value. Well, does his name and likeness have commercial value? That goes into the analysis. It doesn't to me. By the way, if anyone's wondering why he went to jail, he committed a ton of fraud. The amount of money he defrauded from people puts Apollo, who I'm just using as an example because he was also on Real Housewives of Atlanta, to shame. It was millions and millions of dollars tricking people into giving him money that he would invest and then he bought other stuff. I looked him up when I got mad about him standing up Sheree and I wanted to know why he went to jail. (laughs) I don't know that his likeness has any value, commercial value.
1: Yeah, I don't think it does. He's not a brand. No. He's just
0: a guy that stood up Sheree and made her cry, which made me angry.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, it's often celebrities that are suing for that i know in california it extends to non-celebrities as well where is he suing from you said pennsylvania yeah i don't know it that well there but there is always tension with right of publicity and the first amendment and then yeah there has to be some benefit that they're getting from using your name and likeness, which I guess it creates a storyline. So maybe that's the, the commercial value that they're getting from it. But
0: yeah, but the Pennsylvania law he's quoting, it's, it's like I said, it says any natural person whose name and likeness has commercial value and is used for any commercial or advertising purpose without the written consent of such a natural person or the written consent of any of the parties authorized, blah, 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 to, may, re- may recover damages for any loss or injury sustained
1: by such use. Well,
0: I don't think he has any damages.
1: That makes it sound like it does only apply to yeah. public figures or like celebrities, people who have some value in their name.
0: Yeah. I think he was in jail when he had his attorney send this letter. <laughs> Here's what he demanded. So he said, cease and desist any and all exploitation of Mr. Gilliam's name and likeness. Two, remove all programming and related social media posts that unlawfully and fraudulently use Mr. Gillum's name and likeness. And three, cease and desist marketing, advertising, and exploiting any content that contains Mr. Gilliam's name and likeness. Please contact us immediately to confirm your compliance with these demands. If we do not hear from you within five business days in an attempt to informally resolve this matter, please be aware that we will take any and all legal action necessary to vindicate Mr. Gillum's rights currently being violated by the productions and network. If I got this letter, I might be like, bring it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Prove the value of your name and likeness. Prove it. Prove your damages.
1: This is from... 2021. Yeah,
0: 2021. And he did appear on the show. So I I think this failed. Yeah. Yeah. But he obviously did not want to appear because he didn't show up for whatever reason.
1: (laughs) Sketch. Kenya and Nini. Yeah. So Nini sent Kenya a cease and desist letter for... Making, allegedly, false, malicious, and ostensibly made statements with an intent to cause damage to Nini's reputation by exposing her to public hatred, contempt, and ridicule, and injuring her in her trade and or profession. Particularly, your statement was made with the intent to directly injure and defame Mrs. Leakes and the perception of her in the broadcast of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Her brand as a member of the cast and her brand in the entertainment and celebrity industry in general. What did she say? You made a defamatory statement. That's all it is. It's a one page. Kenya didn't post the full thing anywhere. She posted that part
0: and then said under the caption, I guess this is at Nene Leake's way of saying happy birthday. She captioned the Instagram referencing her recent 44th birthday. (laughs) Hashtag RHOA. Hashtag hypocrisy at its best. Hashtag Bye girl. Hashtag she tried it. Hashtag so nasty, so rude. Yeah. So it does look like Kenya at least took that seriously because she did not republish it. But she did publish the cease and desist letter and then shaded.
1: But it's also such a nonsense season desist letter because Nini can't sue Kenya. And Nini has probably also most definitely signed a contract with Bravo where people are allowed to say what they want about you,
0: especially your own cast members. And we're really confident they changed that to other Bravo people, even not on your own show after the Joanna Krupa, mm-hmm. Brandy Glanville issue.
1: Then there is one with Claudia Jordan. Yeah, so she had her laptop stolen from her car, like a a break and enter into a car. And from straight from the T, a cease and desist letter, alleging that she stole Claudia's laptop from her car. Wow. Yeah. So she posts, why did I get a cease and desist from
0: Claudia Jordan about stolen photos? Child, bye. You have the wrong site. Try again.
1: Yeah, because I guess there were photos on it that were then posted on to straightfromthetea.com. I and I believe those were on the laptop that was stolen. So Claudia is making a connection that the website must have received them from her stolen laptop. Mm. And then the author tweeted, hell, I might press charges on her ass for this bogus ass attorney <laughs> letter. <laughs> All right. Now moving on to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I cannot believe you forgot this one. I didn't forget, this, forget this, one. One. this
0: one. I didn't forget it. This was so <laughs> omnipresent that I just, You yeah, just absorbed it. Yeah, Totally.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so this one was Denise Richards, who sent Bravo and Lisa Rinna and Brandy a seasoned assist letter. This is the whole Denise Richards,
0: Brandy Glanville. Yeah, Brandy was no longer on the show. And I think the other girls were probably not willing to risk saying anything about Denise. So they had it come from Brandy and pulled Mm -hmm. her into the show and had her do it because Brandy will say things. And so it says this firm acts as litigation counsel for Denise Richards. We understand based on firsthand sources that you have been spreading false and disparaging allegations regarding Ms. Richards with respect to season 10 of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. It is demanded that you immediately cease and desist from spreading these defamatory claims and explain to those cast members of the program who witnessed these claims that your previous defamatory statements were untrue. Should you refuse to do so, you will stand exposed to significant liability as discussed below. And so they go through the law of defamation in California, which we have talked about extensively on our libel episodes. And you can listen to those for more about that law. But this is really fascinating because this letter, because wasn't on the show. She was not a cast member. It wasn't part of her contract to have to have scenes with Brandy. And so she just refused to do it. And then they did not bring Brandy on for the actual reunion. They brought her on separately, I think, beforehand, if if what I'm recalling is correct. And I think Bravo was nervous about Brandy getting sued as well. My whole thing with this one is truth is a defense. If she had actual proof of what happened and of what she was saying, it is an absolute defense to any of these allegations. What did you think of this letter?
1: Um, I just remember, I mean, it was so controversial because then Lisa Rinna brought it up Mm -hmm. on camera. Like, you sent the letter And got her to say, like, admit that she had sent it. I don't think it would have been successful at all against Bravo, though, in my opinion. Because she sent it to Brandy and then she sent it to Bravo.
0: Yeah, I do think Bravo was worried. I think Denise just kind of from the way the show went down and Denise having access to high-powered lawyers and them really wanting Denise on the show. I think Denise probably argued for some things in her contract that maybe the other women don't have. And this is just theory on my part.
1: Yeah, but they still aired all that stuff. They did. But... It still made it onto the show.
0: So to kind of dissect this a little bit, that scene where they bring Brandy in and it's it's Kim with Brandy that was totally shot later and the way it's worded oh yeah it the way it's worded it's it's literally if you go back and watch that the way they use the language in that scene it's literally a a cover your ass and it's Kyle saying well you told me this and you base this on and you believe it to be true and it was literally Kyle and Bravo doing a CYA legally by refilming that scene because of the way they worded everything that struck me the first time I saw that scene that is illegal cover your ass right there they 100% because they think they were nervous about Denise
1: actually suing them and that she might have a case. Brandy posted the letter on her Twitter but there is a provision that says the letter's confidential legal communication and not for publication and also says that publishing it is in violation of the copyright act.
0: So it's like that I mean obviously people don't like it when they send a cease and desist letter and then you post it and make fun of it. And I know some lawyers do try to copyright their cease and desist letters. How effective is that
1: as in your opinion? I mean clearly not very effective. No, I don't think I've ever read any cases where anyone has sued someone for me publishing either. a copy yeah. like a copyright protected season to this letter
0: let's say i have a client who writes their neighbor a nasty note and then the neighbor takes that note and publishes it on facebook they can claim
1: copyright if it has creative elements it has to be someone's like expression in a published form so if my client very creatively in maybe like they, well it's like like you write a story down on a piece of paper and then you mail it to someone but isn't it theirs when you mail it to them it's their like copy of it, but it's not the story isn't there so if
0: if I have a client who writes a nasty letter to their neighbor in the form of a sonnet and it's in iambic pentameter, even yeah. I'm giving this fictional client that I have a lot of credit, and they've put a lot of time and effort into this nasty note that they're writing. It's in iambic pentameter. it's a sonnet them telling their neighbor to f off for a variety of reasons and then that neighbor publishes that on social media, they could say, no, take it down. It's co- it's copyrighted.
1: Yeah. A copyright protection is innate in the expression. You don't have to register it. It's stronger if it's registered. You get a different form of damages if it's registered.
0: But yeah. This fictional client that writes the F-U sonnet, and <laughs> what is what would their damages be?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be difficult to prove that. Like That's the problem.
0: So in the letter that Denise Richards... Council sent Brandy Glanville and Bravo and everybody. One of the paragraphs in there I thought was really effective because the paragraph talks about how other famous people have won cases It says, defamation has routinely been proven in cases involving public figures such as Ms. Richards. For instance, in 2012, casino magnate Steve Wynn won two separate defamation actions against Girls Gone Wild producer Joe Francis. In the California case, Mr. Francis falsely claimed that Mr. Wynn, a well-known public figure, had threatened to kill him over a gambling debt. Mr. Wynn was awarded $19 million in damages. In a Nevada case, Mr. Francis had falsely claimed that he would prove how Mr. Wynn, quote, deceived high end customers. A judge awarded Mr. Wynn $7.5 in damages. Additionally, a California appellate court upheld a $475,000 compensatory damage award to actor Rip Torn after he successfully sued the late actor Dennis Hopper for defamation. Hopper had falsely claimed on The Tonight Show that Mr. Torn had once threatened him with a knife. These are just a few of the numerous cases where high-profile figures have gone to court over false statements and one, In a cease and desist letter after you've explained the law, when you show how other people have won on similar sets of circumstances and then say what the awards are that can be incredibly persuasive and much scarier because it gives some real gravitas to this isn't just an idle threat here other people that have sued and won over similar things
1: all right let's move on to salt lake city so jen shaw sent some instagram accounts cease and desist letters Over the recorded audio of her berating an employee, I'm sure we've all heard it. And I believe it was mentioned in the Hulu documentary as well, but the audio wasn't used. And she was successful in getting it removed from the Instagram accounts.
0: Why was the Jen Shaw cease and desist
1: successful? It was unlawfully acquired from Shaw's home security system. Oh. Yeah.
0: Oh oh, wow. Wait, that's a huge detail. Yeah. So somebody on the inside of her squad. Whoa, I wonder. Yeah. I, when I saw that, when I saw those videos, my first thought was, who's filming? Did somebody secretly yeah. set their phone up? Or That makes total sense as to why that got
1: taken down. Do you want to talk about the Britney Spears one? Yeah. This letter is from
0: January 17th, 2022. It's a letter that counsel for Britney Spears, sent to Jamie Lynn Spears. And it says, as you know, I represent your sister, Britney Spears. I write at her request. We write with some hesitation because the last thing Britney wants is to bring more attention to your ill-timed book and its misleading or outrageous claims about her. Although Britney has not read and does not intend to read your book, she and millions of her fans were shocked to see how you have exploited her for monetary gain. She will not tolerate it, nor should she. And I actually, I like that kind of wording in a cease and desist letter. It really shows that this lawyer really believes in their client and what their client's saying and that they will go to bat for them. I like that a little more, less legalese and more personal. It depends on the context. But in this context, I like the defense of Brittany. And it says, you of all people know the abuse and wrongdoing Brittany had to endure during the conservatorship after initially growing up with a, quote, ruinous alcoholic father. In fact, your own book reportedly states that your father, quote, spent most of my life in that cycle of ruinous behavior. His bouts of drinking caused me periods of torment and sorrow, end quote. As I have previously stated, having endured a 13-year conservatorship that stripped her of her civil rights and fundamental liberties, Brittany will no longer be bullied by her father or anyone else. I I like the way that's written.
1: Yeah, this is her new counsel, Rosengart. He's yeah awesome.
0: Yeah. It says Britney was the family's breadwinner and she also otherwise supported you. Publicly airing false or fantastical grievances is wrong, especially when designed to sell books. It's also potentially unlawful and defamatory. Michelle Obama famously said, quote, When they go low, we go high, and to Britney's great credit, that is exactly what Britney is
1: going to do for the time being. For the time being. it's an interesting way to say it.
0: Yeah. For the time being, this is just really well written because, again, like for the time being, this lawyer is like writing this and it's just three short paragraphs. They're very effective. It says exactly what they want the person to stop doing, says, look, we're being nice for now. But it's also written in such a way that you firmly believe that this lawyer is going to protect and advocate for their client with the fullest extent of the law. Basically saying, as soon as Brittany lets me off the leash, I will come after you. And it's only because of your sister's generosity and forgiving behavior that I am not taking legal action beyond this letter at the moment. You recently reportedly stated that the book was, quote, not about her. She takes you at your word, and we therefore demand that you cease and desist from referencing Brittany derogatorily during your promotional campaign. If you fail to do so or defame her, Brittany will be forced to consider and take all appropriate legal action. Your representatives may contact me if you have any questions. And sorry for the language, but that's basically a really polite legal way of saying fuck around and find out.
1: Yeah, that was excellently drafted. Mm -hmm. All right. Should we end here on our cease and desist journey? Yeah. Thanks, guys, for listening. And
0: oh, I did get an email that my voice sounds different. And it does. I have been doing vocal exercises to help my larynx that gets very irritated from my asthma. And I've also gotten the new microphone. It's helping a lot. and But most importantly, I can breathe now and my larynx is more relaxed. So I'm not struggling nearly as much as I was, which is great.
1: All right. Well, thank you as always for listening. And until next time. Follow us
0: on Instagram, send us messages, check out our website, and we're on Patreon. So if you have any questions, patrons, post them, and we're happy to answer. All right.
1: Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. The Bravo Docket is part of the Acast Creator Network. The Bravo Docket is part of the ACAST Creator Network.